0: Well, if you will turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We'll start there. And we're repeating lots of things because that's the way we learn. Our repetition. And so you'll remember that the Beatitudes are like a portrait of God's mind about a believer. And so the kingdom is made up of people who are poor in spirit, who mourn over sin, who are meek, who hunger and thirst after righteousness, who are merciful, who are pure in heart, who are peacemakers. And you look at those and you think, "Ooh, aren't those wonderful people? And we look at them and know perhaps that I don't meet all those qualifications, but by grace and faith, you know, and, and you look at that list and you think, how could anybody not get along with those people? But the next Beatitude says, were persecuted and insulted and against whom evil is spoken falsely. So let that give us some thoughts about the purpose of the enemy in the world. What he's able to do. And so as we look at these and we see that these are things that characterize those in the kingdom of God, but in spite of all of that, in spite of all of the goodness in spite of the persecution, Jesus says, we're blessed. See it there? Let's just look at it. Blessed, verse 10, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets who were before you so and Jesus says that in spite of the good things we bring to the world We are persecuted. So in his kingdom, there is joy and truth and satisfaction and deep and lasting happiness. And we've said that that's what it means to be blessed. And so he comes along here and he says, okay, when you start being persecuted on account of all of these things, you are blessed, you're fulfilled. So here's this portrait of a believer And to one extent or another, this characterizes all of us. Now, there may be days when I'm not too good at being meek. Or there may be days when I'm not too good at being a peacemaker. And I'm not really into mourning over sin because I've got some sins I still really like. But these still characterize us. And what the Holy Spirit is doing is he's working all of these into our lives as we mature. And as we grow and grow and grow. And so we may sometimes have a hard time seeing ourselves here, but by God's grace through faith, these are gifts. And so when the Holy Spirit came to live in us as salvation, all of these things came with it. Because all of these things are like the Holy Spirit. So it is present in our lives. Our job is to figure out how to apply them and walk them out. So in the portrait. We know that we're spiritually bankrupt. We have nothing but our need, and so we cry out to God for salvation that only he can give. We mourn over sin. We're humble and broken. We hunger and thirst for righteousness that we cannot gain for ourselves. We've received mercy, and so we show it to others, and we give it to others, and we are those whose hearts have been cleansed and made pure, by the blood of Jesus, all of those things are placed in us at the moment of salvation. So then what? We've become peacemakers because we've made peace with God. We are not at war with God. And so once we are at peace with God, then we can share peace with others. We share God's peace, and we demonstrate that. And so consequently, to one extent or another, This God-hating, Christ-rejecting, Satan-controlled society in which we live is going to persecute us. Now, we look at this and we say, I can look at this and say, what is there to hate about that? But Satan hates it. And he's out to do anything to destroy that. And so... These are the things though that are going to mark a true believer. When you look around and you see people that profess Christ to some degree you ought to be able to see all of these characteristics in their lives. In all of our lives. So we don't always mourn over sin but, but this is the character of a believer and so that puts us at odds with the world. We're like a Square peg trying to fit in a round hole when we work and walk and live in the world. We are counter culture. And that is becoming more and more obvious as we see what's happening in the world. This is just not who we are. It's not how we think. It's not how we want. It's not our heart's desire. So, Ours is a character that is contradictory to all of the world around us. And so when we are present in it, it stirs up opposition. Now, I've had to think through this a good bit because it's so easy for me to think, Why? Why would anybody be opposed to a peacemaker or uh, mourning over sin or somebody who just wants to be holy? The bottom line reason is it makes them feel guilty. And so what you begin to see is Satan's incredible skill at making people think the other way is best and making people think that when God calls us to these things, he's uh, keeping something from us, that he is withholding something good from us. And Satan so is telling that lie over and over and over. So just our presence in the world is opposing to the world. They don't want it. Now... Right here in verse 10 Jesus states the simple beatitude. The simple beatitude is blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now that's repeated from the first beatitude which is blessed are the poor in spirit for um, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's verse three. So we're already in the kingdom of heaven by being poor in spirit. It's by grace through faith in Christ. By grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. So we're in the kingdom of heaven. So what's he saying here in verse 10, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So he's, what he's doing is he's putting the final brushstroke on the portrait and this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. But then verses 11 and 12 explain it. He applies it. And this is the only beatitude that he does this with. But then he says, he extends it in verse 11, Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So blessedness belongs to those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For there is is the kingdom of heaven. So then he personalizes and he says you. So this is not just a generic blessing. This is something for you as an individual. Uh, Paul said to Timothy in Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12... All who will live godly in this present age will suffer persecution. How many? All. So to some extent, we share the reproach of Christ. We share the fellowship of his suffering. Paul talked about that. So it makes sense that we cannot live in opposition to Satan and his worldly system without antagonizing him. So when we walk in holiness and we walk in poverty of spirit and we walk mourning over sin and we walk in mercy and we walk as being peacemakers, then we are antagonizing Satan because he is the opposite of all of those things. You think of the opposite each of each one of those things, and you'll have a picture of Satan and the world. You'll have a picture of people who are not in the kingdom, who are not believers. So true, godly, righteous Christianity, lived out and spoken freely, will produce hostility in some form. In John chapter 15 and verse 18, Jesus told his disciples, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So why does the world hate us? Because it hates Jesus. Why does it hate Jesus? Because Satan has deceived them into thinking that's the good thing to do. That's the right thing to do. So Jesus went on to explain that they hate you because you are not a part of them. You're not like them. That's kind of the way we think as people, isn't it? If somebody's not like us, we push them aside, push them back. So when we as believers enter the world, the world recognizes we're not like them, so they push us aside, push us back. Um, Sometimes we may be persecuted for being offensive. Um, And I have seen people, I think through the years, I don't mean to be judging anybody, I don't have anybody in particular in my mind, but some people can set themselves up to be persecuted. You know? Um, Just make it happen. But sometimes we may be persecuted because we're arrogant and disagreeable. Well, that ain't what he's talking about right here. What's he saying? This is persecution because of being Christians. This is persecution because of acting like Christ. So we have identified with Christ. We bear his righteousness. We show his righteous standard. I tell you what, just go ahead and turn to John chapter 15 for a minute. John chapter 15. Jesus is speaking. And this is um, the time when he's dealing, spending time with the disciples. He's moving toward the crucifixion. And let me just begin down here in um, verse 17. He says, this I command you. Now he's speaking to his disciples. He says, this I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Now watch what he says. Watch his explanation. If you were of the world, the world would love you. It would love its own. It loves its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all of these things they will do to you for my name's sake. Because they do not know the one who sent me. Because they do not know God. Because they do not know the Father. So they have—they hate the truth. They hate the Christian for telling it and for living it. There's no one around them. That's the world's attitude. They love darkness more than light. So that's the attitude, that's the mindset of the world. It's the opposite to the attitude and mindset of the kingdom. So Jesus says, "We are going to be persecuted." Now, the question is not, if we're going to be persecuted. The question is to what degree? I've never lost a job because of my faith. I've never been threatened with a sword. I guess probably the worst things that ever happened to me. I hadn't been invited to some parties. persecution. so it's not a matter of if it's a matter to what degree. Now we look at these people today on the news. We look at people in um, Somalia in Ukraine. What a stunning blessing to see some of the videos that are coming out of Ukraine where Christians are gathered together singing praise in the bunkers. They're immovable. Um, Back when Andy Fowler was here, we learned a hymn that we sang two or three times because it was one of his favorites by the Gettys, Uh, Keith and Christian Getty, called, He Will Hold Me Fast. He will hold me fast. Do you remember that? Some of you will remember that. And so that song, I thought, wow, the Gettys, it was on the internet this morning that this family, this group of people were gathered in this home hiding from the artillery, and they were singing that hymn in their native language. I think, Lord, help us. Do we as American believers have that kind of stamina? have that kind of faith, you know, where they're holding on. So Jesus says we're going to be persecuted. It's not if, but what, to what degree. But Matthew 5.11 right here explains the beatitude, and he specifically refers in this beatitude not to so much physical persecution, but insults. And maybe we've all experienced that in some way or another. He refers to insults being cast. And so what happens is, let's say you share the gospel with somebody and they make fun of you and they just throw it back in your face. That's what he's talking about here. Those kinds of insults being cast. Uh, They throw your righteousness back in your face. They condemn and insult you face to face. And sometimes that's all the persecution there is. I'm grateful. Because it's not that way everywhere. So even sometimes if you present the gospel, even if you want to do something good for somebody, even if you're trying to bless somebody and they whoop, flop it back at you. That's being insulted for Christ's sake. But the key word is it is because of your righteousness and not because you're tacky and they need a good kick. persecuted for righteousness sake and so we're living in a world where many people don't want to hear the gospel that's why there's beginning to be more and more persecution in our country against pastors and churches who are preaching regarding one sex same-sex marriages and gender changing and all of that and so the world doesn't want to hear it so what are they trying to do shut it Doesn't matter if it's the truth, I just don't want to hear it. So Jesus says they may tell lies about you. Have you ever had that happen to you? you? Ever been misinterpreted? Somebody ever misinterpret what you did without even asking any questions? I've had that happen. And draw conclusions, it's because they didn't want to hear it. Wasn't what they wanted. So Jesus says. They may tell lies about you. They may undermine you. They may discredit you. So that is all a part of persecution. And that can come in many forms. So the disciples needed to know this. So remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is telling them, this is what the kingdom looks like and this is what you're headed into. And so the disciples needed to know. And so Jesus says, they're going to be people who are going to throw you out of the synagogue. They're going to think They're doing God a service by killing you. We're already seeing that in the world, aren't we? They thought they were doing God a service. The Pharisees thought they were doing God a service by killing Jesus. Why? Because they did not open their minds to the truth of God's word and give themselves that opportunity. But Jesus says also... Whenever that happens on account of me, whenever that happens on account of me, not because of you, whenever that happens on account of me, you are blessed. You're blessed. You may think, oh, I don't feel too blessed. Well, you're going to feel blessed later, but the blessing has been pronounced. The blessing has been stated. So how are we blessed? And I will close with this, but I need you to look at this. I want you to turn to 1 Peter. This is great. Right after Hebrews. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, because he tells us, and I just love it, when Scripture is its own best commentary, and Scripture will tell you in one place what it means somewhere else. But look what 1 Peter says, chapter 4 and verse 14. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Same thing, right? Isn't he just repeating the beatitude in another way? He says, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because... The spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. By no means let any one of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not feel ashamed. But in that name, let him glorify God. Now, verse 14 is the answer. Did you see it? If you're reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because... What is the blessing? The Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. That's the blessing. The Spirit and the glory of God... The Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. The Holy Spirit is going to rest upon you if you are persecuted or reviled. For the name of Christ I think one interesting thing we can conclude from that we said that the Holy Spirit is the one that brings conviction it's that Holy Spirit in us that the world is renouncing that the world is pushing aside but when they revile and persecute us persecute us in the name of Christ that brings even more of the Holy Spirit which is going to make them more condemned because it's the presence of the Holy Spirit that's going to do that so the promise is that when this happens to you the spirit himself is attending to you. He is hovering over you. He is surrounding you. He is pouring out his holy spirit on you in special measure. And so what's the problem? There's is the kingdom of heaven. What's he saying? It's part of being in the kingdom. Happened to Jesus world in like him they killed him it's going to happen to you. Why? Because we're like him. The world hates him. So those who are insulted for Christ give evidence that we belong to the kingdom. One of the characteristics of the kingdom. Who's persecuted? Who's persecuted? All of these who are listed in verses 3 through 9. The poor in spirit. Those who mourn over sin. The meek. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Those who are merciful. Those who are peacemakers. Those are people. Because the world hates that. I just have to say, isn't that sad? That the world hates that. Why does the world hate that? Because the world is deceived and it's under the control of the enemy. And he is busy and hard at work these days, I assure you. So what do we do? We're careful to do it better than we've done it before. We're going to pray. We're going to be in the word. We're going to keep our sins confessed. We're going to be kind. We're going to be gentle. We're going to do all of those things. Even when they can't stand it. Because that is the only thing that will put the message out. And that's where we'll pick up next week when Jesus says next. You know what he says next? You and you alone are the light of the world. If you don't shine, there ain't no light. Jesus had said, I'm the light of the world. Where'd he do? He left. He's not here to be the light of the world anymore. Where is it? The Holy Spirit in you. You. And in the literal translation, and it just so moves my heart, you and you alone. You are the only light. If you don't shine, there ain't no light. Let's pray. Lord, give us understanding. Give us the desire and the ability to do your will. Give us the wisdom, the love, the mercy to know how to minister to all of these around us who are hurting. Give us the power through the Holy Spirit to overcome darkness in this place. Thank you for letting us be here and be together. Help us to remember to support and pray for one another, love one another, and to bring others into the fold. And always give us the opportunity to be in your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Can't wait to see you next week.